So if you're just joining us or you're just kind of getting back in, we've been in Hebrews. Uh, today, we're going to finish it up. We're going we're gonna to finally land this thing and look at the weather, right? Like that was my, it's uh, pouring outside, but we're going to land this thing with Hebrews. And what we've been doing is this theme of Jesus is what? Greater than. And so we've been listing off these things of Jesus is greater than. And so my hope is you can recall a few of our topics we've talked about as we preach through Hebrews. Um, if you can't recall a few of them, that's okay. I'm going to list off a few to you. But hopefully you've been thinking through, God's been teaching you a few of these topics, a few of these ideas and concepts that he has triumphed over and greater than. I look at this chalkboard we have here, and my favorite is math. Because until Excel existed, that was me. Um, And then fourth column over, fifth one down, spelling and grammar, which they spelled right, which I was really impressed with. But um, it's neat to see this. Um, Because one, it's just great to hear from you all what he's teaching you. But it's also great to be a community together and realize some of those struggles are what we have too. And there's this sense of community that I'm not the only one who's dealing with doubts. Self-criticism and stuff like that. And so that's the power of the church. That's why we do what we do. And so let me list off a few of these things to you that we've talked about as a church. Jesus is greater than control, tradition. I thought it'd be torture to have you stand up if it applies to you, but it's really tempting right now. I won't do that, but mentally, if I read one and that's you, mentally, just lift that hand up and yeah, yeah, that's me. Your imperfection, your religion, your sin, your insufficiency, suspicions, exhaustions, your family, your wants, your shame, your struggles, your yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he is Greater than me. So that's our list. That's not comprehensive. If you have one, God's been teaching you. It's because I didn't read them all. You're not going crazy. But there's this idea with Hebrews. And the fascinating thing with Hebrews, and if you have the book with you, the Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Hebrews. We're going to be in 13. Way at the end, it's 18. 13 verses 18 through 25. We're going to finish this up today. But one of the purposes of Hebrews, we have to remember all those months ago, one of the purposes of Hebrews was there was a Jewish population who had either, depending on your theology, but let's not get into this, had either begun the conversion process or were already converted. But they were dealing with persecution and strife and trials and troubles and this Temptation to revert back to what they had done and known before was so real to them that the writer of Hebrews realizes there's this whole group of Jewish Christians 
just on the brink of returning to what they used to do. Now, back then, if you're a Jewish Christian, you're thinking of the temple, the sacrificial system. You're thinking of all the rites and traditions that you would do and go through that we now don't really struggle with. Most of you don't struggle with going to the temple and experiencing worship. That, that's not a practicality with us. We don't struggle with our lamb. We have to sacrifice, and most of us don't have lambs, whatever. Like, like this isn't a reality for us, but the Jewish Christians at the time, they had these things that had security. They, they felt a sense of calmness because it was what they had known, but they had ventured out into this new concept of faith in Jesus Christ. They had placed the hope of their salvation in Jesus Christ, but life gets tough. Just like it does now, it did then. In the first century, with persecution happening, they were a strange group in a strange place. Their traditions didn't make sense to the other people, and so life got hard. And so just like with us, when life gets hard, our temptation is to revert back to what we used to do. And so they are struggling with this. They're on the verge of returning to that stuff. Now, we know that there was no... mm, thing that happened in the temple that can't happen when we're out at the grocery store or we're in the car or we're here in this church, but they didn't quite understand that yet. Or if they did understand it, that temptation and pull to revert back was still so strong. They didn't understand that if we don't have sacrifices, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And I think they did understand, but that temptation to revert back to what we used to do. Just like we know that sin that we struggle with won't fulfill us like Jesus does, but it doesn't keep us from returning back to that sin because when life gets tough, we grasp at whatever we can or if we get tired, or if we get lonely, or whatever. We know better, but somehow we keep going back to doing the same stuff we've always done before. So while our struggles are different, and this group of people, our message, our remedy and answer is the same. And it's essentially telling ourselves and understanding that as the Scripture speaks, as the Holy Spirit works within us, that Jesus is greater than those things. We've been kind of looking at this list of things of our, maybe our struggles or maybe our priorities, and today I get to wrap this all up. It's really not complicated what we're going to talk about today, but essentially, and I'm going to have it here on the screen, Jesus is greater than everything, and that seems so primary and elementary and super simple, but I get this mental picture as each of us has a throne, and it's in our lives we have a throne, and only one thing can be put on that throne, and we know as followers of Jesus that Jesus is that one thing. We know the right answer. If I were to ask you in Sunday school today, you would say, what belongs, who belongs on the throne of your life? You would answer, Jesus. But my question, my challenge to us today, and I believe the question here in Hebrews, is he actually on that throne? And I think as we wrap up Hebrews, that's a great question. As we look at all of these lists of things, we know that the answer of our fear or our non-met expectations or our grief or our conflicts or offended hearts 
or betrayal, we know that Jesus is what's going to fulfill all of these things. We've identified them. But today I want to encourage us to take one more step further and invite Jesus in again to continue this healing and restoring process. So I won't take a long time today because this isn't really that complicated. Really, work today won't take place because I'm talking. It would take place because the Holy Spirit's working within you. And so I want to just to pray and invite him in and ask you to do this thing. Lord, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that your scripture is sharp and is true. And Lord, that it will speak to us today. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is loving and kind, but wants to see us transformed. And God, we thank you that as we've come today, whether we're we're tired, Lord, we come to you. Lord, this week might have been the best week of our lives, but still we take the opportunity to come to you and to to say and to reflect, are you on our throne of our lives? And Lord, we want that. We know that that is where we will find peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, let me recap Hebrews. Uh, You're going to be like, wow, this intro is taking forever, and it is, but the text is short, so... Um, I got to do something here, but, but let, let me read. No, it really just wraps up. We really just got to wrap this up really nicely, but we're going to get to some good stuff, and um, I'm excited, but I was reading through Hebrews, not the whole thing. I'm not that spiritual, but I was reading through like highlights of Hebrews. I actually did a Google best verses in Hebrews, just FYI, but um, these are great. It says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And then it's, and I'm just going to keep going. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. It's the hope which enters that inner place behind the curtain. I love this one. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne to receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Um, It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near with God must think he exists because he will reward those who seek him. Let me repeat that because he will reward those who seek him. Keep your life free from the love of money And be content with what you have, because he has said, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Y'all have never done that for me. Not one time has that ever happened up here. I just love Hebrews, just getting to read through that and read the promises and understanding that this writer is petitioning to these Jewish people, like, don't go back. Jesus is sufficient. He's died on the cross for you. You don't need to return to the things of your past. You don't need to let these draw you back into things that you don't want to be a part of anymore. He's sufficient. And I love how it, with Hebrews, it talks about, you know, you 
were in the temple with this type of priest, but Jesus is the fulfillment of that priest. You went and worshiped in this way, but Jesus is now this fulfillment. And so as we look at that, as we understand that, you know, we have to understand Jesus is all and put him on that throne. So now let's get into our text. It's 18, Hebrews 13, 18. I love how this starts. Pray for us. Like, we could just pray right now. We could close this thing out, pray for us. But what this is, if you recall, last week, leaders, it said, it said to your leaders, listen to them and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. I don't have to preach that. But then he says, pray for us. And so I wanted to take a minute. Let's just read this whole verse, actually, because it's going to tie in well together. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience. We desire. We want to act honorably in all things. So this is the leaders of the church. They're starting to wrap up this, this whole thing with the Hebrews. And, and his word is, his petition is pray for us. And then he says, we want, we come to you with a clear conscience, wanting to, to act honorably in front of you. And this is an interesting time to talk about who's in charge of what leadership. I'm thinking breaking in the realm of politics and it's an election season and all that stuff and it gets crazy, right? But I love these words here. As they close this letter, one of the more important things they're beginning to say is pray for us. And so I just wanted to ask you as a church and just encourage you, the scripture tells us, but as a leader here at this church, pray for us. Um, we want to come to you with a clear conscience. We want to act honorably at all times, just as this says, but it gets tricky sometimes. And so pray for us. Um, as it says, clear conscience, and this is like an account of, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly jump into this, but as I was thinking of what does it mean as a leader, me coming to you and saying, hey, the Bible says pray for us, but we want to come to you with a clear conscience. True story, yesterday I'm upstairs washing dishes, wife texted me, 1 Timothy 3. Has your wife ever texted you scripture before? That's when you know it's serious. Like, she just opens with scripture. I'm like, what have I done? Like, I was like, this is, this is for, you know, she, and um, she must have been reading her Bible, I'm hoping. No, she, she was. She's right here in the middle, so anything I say is above board. I didn't clear this with her, though. But um, I'm cleaning dishes, and she texts me, and I'm like, oh, she must be doing her devotions. And then I read, and it's, the quali it's leader's qualifications. And I'm like, oh, she's for real right now. Like, what is, so I'm reading through it, but it was a very encouraging note from her. But there was just this part of this is like, like, there's a gravity that comes with being a leader of your family, of your job, of a church. And we're all in this boat together because we all lead different things. But it's not often we remember what, like, Titus says or First, First Timothy 3 says. And I thought that was just fantastic timing as far as what we were about to talk about. But at the same time, just, just a really interesting perspective. But what I wanted to share is, is in this is, I always teach this as we talk in the values of the church. One of the things a leader has to do is serve first. 
And I actually always tell people, don't ever be with a leader who won't serve you first. Um, That's what leadership is. Jesus taught that in John 13. And so if you are a leader of people, serve them first. Leader is also aware of his or her weaknesses. It's really fun to accentuate our strengths and say, I'm really good at this, but it's also hard to be like, you know, I kind of stink at this sometimes, and to have dialogue and conversation about that. And then finally, and this is one we're really going to have a theme on today, a leader admits fault, which is never fun for anyone, right? To say I was wrong, those are the three hardest words in English language sometimes. So then we go down to verse 20, and we're going to start, like, like we're going to land this as fast as possible. It says, now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I was thinking about these words the whole week. These are the crux of what we're talking about today. It says, now may the God of peace. Now, isn't it so interesting Hebrews, the whole book is like shaking things up with these Jewish people. He's rattling their cage. He wants to get them thinking. And when he begins to close, he says, now may the God of peace. So answer me this. On a scale of one to ten, where's your level of peace at right now? On a scale of one to ten, if you're full of peace, you're ten. If you don't have any peace, you're one. What is your level at of peace right now? Because then it says, um, the one who brought again Jesus from the dead. And and so it it talks about this blood of the eternal covenant is what brings us peace. It's not the external consequences. Like think of the length and depth that God went to to bring us that eternal peace. I love Romans It says, while we were still a sinner, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead within your trespasses and sins. It just tells us we couldn't do a single thing to be restored to God. He went through the greatest lengths of possible to be this title, one of peace, God of peace. So 1 to 10, you should be a 10 with God. Day in and day out. You may not always feel like a 10, but let me tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus, that you can say confidently, you're a 10. Now, with other people is the next question. And I know what you're saying. You're like, I got this one person in my life who we just don't get along. We're not going to get along. We've been trying for years, or I've tried to... We're not, we're, we're not going to get along. And they're like, that's why I'm a six. And um, there's this idea in the scriptures that our vertical relationship with God is directly affected with our horizontal relationships with other people. I, I wish it wasn't true sometimes because I know irritating people too. But there's this idea. And then I got to thinking about the church. You know what's crazy? Jesus himself, Matthew 18, tells us what to do when we have conflict with other people, when we don't have peace. So he saw this coming. And then we read 
one of the uh, then it's a I, I read in the New Testament it says don't take the table if you're at conflict with other people so in short conflict has existed as long as the church has so why are we so surprised when it happens here and if we're looking for a church without conflict, we're going to be looking for a long time. But rather, what about if we find a church who handles conflict properly? I remember it's over there, conflict. Because I was thinking about this. May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal and I just think that's just a great reminder to us as people that we're going to have people in our lives that we need to forgive. And we're going to have need that we're going to have those in our lives and even those in our church and we will hear about conflict and we will know about things happening and we shouldn't be so surprised with that because as long as there will be people there will be conflict. But we are followers of Jesus and his father who is of peace, the God of of peace. And so it's possible to restore relationships. And, and I want that to be our prayer as a church. And I'm going to say a sharp word here. Um, that person that you just can't get along with, like, why don't you try one more time? Like, what's it going to hurt? Because it's, it's irritating you anyway. Like, you're already thinking about it. So it's not like it's not bothering you. It is. And sometimes we just have to call people and say, hey, like, I don't. And I forgive you. Or say, hey, will you forgive me? And I'm not, I say it flippantly, but I know it's not easy. But I want to encourage you to do that. Don't let this title, the God of peace, return back to him. Like, this is for us. Like, he declares himself a God of peace for us and our welfare and being. And we want to be a people of peace. And so let's make that our prayer as a church. And then, then uh, the last bit here, it says, equipping you with every good thing that you could do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and amen. So we talked about Jesus is, and we listed off all those things. This is why, though, because he wants to equip you with every good thing. Now, a couple of things I thought about. How is he equipping us? I always ask that question as I read scripture. Of course, we've got gifts of the Spirit, like 1 Corinthians 12. We've got the gifts that empower us. And if you've ever seen or you've ever felt or been in this place where the Holy Spirit is working through you, that's just a powerful thing. And it's probably happened to you. You're having a conversation or having an experience, and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And something in you prompts you to pray, and you do. And you literally have this experience where you're like, I'm not sure what I was doing. I was in control, but I haven't ever had this clarity or I haven't ever had this sense of purpose before. And that's one of the ways that we see a spirit fill you. I was just talking before church. We take mission trips and we take these trips, different countries, and we have people who work at camps 
working as nurses this week. They don't have medical training. They don't have anything. But we see the Spirit work through them in these clinics providing healthy care for people. That's the Holy Spirit at work. That's gifts. We see hospitality taking place in different things. And that's just not in Haiti, but in other other places as well. One of my favorite things, people coming over at the house makes me a little bit nervous sometimes. My wife loves it, so we do it a lot, but it makes me a little nervous. I don't know why. I got issues. But, so I really appreciate, I'm always happy when y'all come. I get over it, but it is a little touch and go for a bit. But, um, but there's this gift of hospitality you see people have here in the church and in their homes, and they love having you over, and you go over and feel like you're at a hotel. Like, that's just one of those, like, incredible ways the Spirit works. There are those in this church who love to, like, serve, and I'm talking, like, manual labor serve. We had a few people come to me. Actually, this has happened two or three times. Hey, can we work out lawn care here at the church? Like, begging me to, and I'm like, looking at I'm like, is something wrong with y'all? But they want a landscape and pull up weeds and dig up the bushes and, and mulch and all this. It's because they have this gift within them that wants to do a job that I don't really like doing. But that's just how the Spirit works, and there's those who, who can teach and those who have all these other things, and that's how he equips us. Another way he equips us, one of the themes in the New Testament is we are the body of Christ. So the thing I like to do isn't what you like to do, and that's good, and it's meant to be that way. My personality isn't your personality. It's because he's equipped us as a body together to do work here in Oakley and in Asheville and in these other places we get called to. And there's just power in that. And that's why I think we go back up. That's why him being the God of peace is so important to us. Because if we're fighting with each other and always at conflict with each other, it prevents us. It's just an attack. So we've got to pray through this. Then, and this is where I want to land, and this wraps this all up. Um, One of the ways I see that, we're always looking for the next big thing, right? Like, I'm really bad about this. But the most powerful and effective people in the kingdom of God, I find, are those who say yes continually. Those who day in and day out have this call of God. And they may not even be necessarily looking for opportunities, but when opportunities are approached to them, they tell him yes. And I want to encourage us to be a yes people because Jesus is greater than all of these things. And not let these things hold us back, but let him begin to restore these as we go and are called out. Because... We've got great things to come, church. I believe this. And and I believe God has equipped us and called us to do these things as a church, but you also, your life, you have friends and coworkers, neighbors who need you because you are the embodiment in Jesus Christ who's living through you. And so I want to pray over us just to be free from these things, this list, because he is greater than all of these things. And I encourage you to put Jesus on the throne today. And let me promise you, you're going to have to do it like again this afternoon and tomorrow morning and like 16 times on Tuesday, because Tuesday is always harder than the other days. I mean, it's just going to happen. Like, like we know it's not a one-time deal. 
Like, you don't go to the gym once and be like, I'm strong now, you know. And it's the same thing is true in our spiritual walk as well. These things are going to take time. Like, like, literally, it's like training. But this is what we're called to, and this is so exciting and fun to get to talk about because he's done all the work for us. He's the God of peace. He's the one who's going to resolve all of these things. Our one job is to surrender to him. And I know that's scary. But I want to encourage you just as we pray today to just put him, like even just mentally picture putting him on that throne in your life. And you might have to kick a few things off because his seat's taken right now. But let me encourage you to just do that and continue this process because this is where freedom lies. It says here, um, it is what is working in us. So he wants to work in us, that which is pleasing in his sight. Like God wants to do pleasing things through you and through me. And that's really fun. And then it says, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I do want to encourage you, if you haven't used this chalkboard yet, we've got some space left right at about half. And so you can do that today. But let me pray and the worship team will come up. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, what you've done for us. God, we thank you that all of our wounds and issues and baggage and failures and internal conflict and strife and external conflict and strife, God, that you are greater than all of that stuff. Lord, um, we know that the solution for this is just putting you on the throne. But we also sense this uh, tension because we know this means different things to each of us. For some, it means a process of confession and repentance. Others, it might mean just a lack or a loss of our pride or maybe we have to release something we've been holding on to just too tight. Lord, we often take the good things you give us and turn them into gods and that's not what you want for us either. And so God, we do just pray as a people, we pray as a church, but also I know we have those in this room who are praying to you specifically and individually right now. And God, I pray that that prayer will be that you're allowed on that throne regardless of the cost. We thank you that your spirit works within us and convicts us and teaches us. But Lord, we um, pray that you are, we know with confidence that you are the God of peace and that your spirit wants us to be resolved and reconciled with you. And Lord, we love you and thank you for the grace and the kindness and the mercy that you extend to us. Lord, we pray that as we go today that you will empower us to be the embodiment of you to other people. Lord, you have you have made us to be your church and your gospel to these people. And so we just thank you, God. Thank you for the work that you do in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.